I want to thank God for this morning and for the opportunity to gather before him. And uh, I thank him even more that uh, through the three servants in the leadership of the church, they chose me to speak this morning on the topic, be strong in his mighty power, which is taken from Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 to 11. I want to honor God because he knew that I'm the vessel worthy of his use this morning by his grace. So thank you so much for being part of this. And uh, I want us just to pray briefly. I know that our sister has already prayed, but let me also speak to God. Our Father and our God, I bless your holy name this morning. I come to submit myself to you completely, Father. I pray that you take over, take over my lips, take over my mouth, take over my tongue. Let it be your mouthpiece to speak to your people what you have in your heart. Let it come from your heart to my heart, through my lips, to the hearts of your people, my Father. Silence all other voices, my Lord, and help us to hear only your voice. Holy Spirit, I invite you, the power of God, to indwell me this morning and use me to deliver this message. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This passage says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Paul started this charge with the word finally. In most of the versions, it says finally. But in amplified version, it says in conclusion. And in Easy Bible Version, it says, at the end of my letter. This denotes that he was now just wrapping up all that he had written about in the previous verses. In fact, recently, one of the teachers of the word, we saw deep in, in the word said, it is that the Ephesians chapter five and chapter six was one letter that was just split into two chapters when the Bible was being compiled. Otherwise, it was one letter. So the, the theme that is flowing there starts from chapter five and ends in chapter six. So the conclusion followed what he had been saying in chapter five and the first part of chapter six, which I can summarize. It is a long thing. He spoke about many things, but let me summarize them this way. One of them is walking in love. He talked about sexual purity and purity in our speech. He talks about righteous and wise living as children of light. He also talks about understanding the Lord's will, being filled with the spirit instead of getting drunk with wine, speaking with one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, and then singing and making music from the heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything to God, the Father for everything. 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he speaks about submitting to the different authorities out of reverence for Christ. He talked about wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives. He talked about children submitting to their parents and fathers not provoking their children. And then finally, he spoke, he spoke about slaves submitting to their masters and working as for the Lord and masters treating their slaves well. And in this context, in our context, we are all servants. We are all servants one way or the other. You are serving somewhere. So this part of the false charge applies to us all. We, we are no longer talking about those slaves that were there in, in, in that community at the time, but we are talking about ourselves. Some of us have people working, um, working under us, and this tells us how we should treat them well. I submit that for you to be able to be strong in the Lord, you need to be walking in obedience of all these things that Paul urges us to do. And what the Lord himself also commanded as written in the scriptures. And I, I, I urge you to read Ephesians chapter five so that you get the full context of what Paul was talking about and chapter six. And, and you know, this, this theme of ours today is just a conclusion of all those other things, as I said earlier. A life of disobedience cannot allow you to face the enemy because when he sees you with his token, he uses the same to accuse you before the father. When you are a liar, that is a token of the devil because it is his language. Jesus himself said, he is the father of all lies. And when he speaks one lie, he's speaking his native language. So if there are lies, you are, you are one person who still lies so easily and it is part of your life, you, you are carrying a token of the devil and that weakens you, it weakens you. Most importantly, our God is a holy God who cannot tolerate sin or disobedience. You, therefore, you cannot be strong in him and in the power of his might if you are living in sin. That sin cannot allow you to, 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 to draw that power that comes from the Lord. It cannot, and you need to deal with it. What then does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means solely relying on God as our source of strength in the many battles that we face daily, which according to what Paul wrote, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, is not flesh and blood. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Sometimes we look at people, people who are, who are dressed by the enemy to torment us, but we don't see the spirit behind that is using them. Rather, we deal with flesh and blood. And so we hit a wrong target. We hit a wrong target and the problem remains until we recognize that, no, this person was created in the image of God. And it is the wrong spirit in this person that is causing me all this trouble. So you deal with that spirit. That, and the Bible also, that verse also says, they are the rulers, the authorities, 
the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is clear from this passage that our enemy operates from a vantage point of being high up in the heavenly realms. And in our own feeble strength as human beings, there is no way you can confront that enemy who is operating from up there. So we need that strength that only God can give us. We need that power that we can only receive when we are connected with God, connected with him by first of all, accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is the first point we need to deal with. And then when we are now there in him, it is his strength that we draw to deal with the enemy. Because our God sits in the highest heaven, this, that now gives us that vantage point. And the promise of great power to conquer the enemy would then be fulfilled when we are walking in, in, in the light of God, when we are in Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ knew that on our own, we would not manage. So he said, apart from him, we can do nothing. And then he urged us to remain in him as he also remains in us. That is in John chapter 15, verses 4 to 5, where he talks about him being the true vine, his father being the gardener, and we being the branches. It says, apart from him, we can do nothing. So we need to connect with him in order to overcome our enemy. Therefore, being strong in the Lord starts with a recognition that on our own, we are so weak. But according to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1, verses 19 to 21, we who believe have incomparably great power, which Paul says is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And brethren, Ephesians chapter 2 even says that we are seated with Christ in that place where God exalted him. We as believers, we are seated with him there. If you look at verse 6 of chapter 2, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed to us in Christ Jesus. Imagine being in Christ puts us in that privileged position where we are raised with him there. And from there, we would be the ones now looking down and seeing our enemies and we can deal with them with the power that we draw from the Lord. That is our position. But many times, many times we who are born again are so timid. We don't even know what authority and power we wield. Because by the grace of God, 
he gave us that power. He gave us that authority. He said he, he has even given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, on the lion and the great lion. How wonderful. Our strength comes when we fully submit to the Lord and the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead operates within us. That is why we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because we are now one with him. Praise the Lord. I wish you could say amen so that I know I, I'm being heard. Amen. Amen. Paul calls us to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we may be able to stand our ground. And after we have done everything to stand, Brethren, it is this last standing that will count on that day. After you have done whatever you are doing, after I've done my judicial work, I've done everything in, on earth, that final standing, will I be found to stand after I have done everything? And, and we should always be conscious that that is the determining factor, whether you will be there or not whether you will dwell there or not, the final standing in whatever you are doing, whether it is business, whether you are working in offices, whether you are doing what at the end of the day, will you stand? Because that standing means when you are work that you have been doing, the everything you have been doing, when its record is presented before the Father, you will still be found worthy to stand. We should keep that at the back of our mind. He then listed the seven pieces of armor we need to put on in verses 13 to 18 of that chapter six. And number one is the belt of truth. And I submit that you cannot put on the belt of truth when you have lies or deceit in your life. It does not fit. That belt will not accept to sit around your waist when it is full of lies. Similarly, the breastplate of righteousness, which is number two, cannot be put on when you are unrighteous. In the same way, the shoes of the gospel of peace, which is the third one, cannot fit those feet of yours if there is trouble in your life, if you are a troublemaker. The shield of faith, which is the fourth one, you cannot hold it when you have doubt. It cannot stand in your hand. Neither can you put on the helmet of salvation. If you have not received it, you cannot only wear when you have received it. And the sword of the spirit is the word of God. You cannot also use it as a weapon unless you study it and you know it. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. He had, he had an armory of the word of God, the sword of the spirit that he could pull anytime. If you read Psalm 119 and you see how King David cherished the word, he valued the word, he describes the word using different ways. He calls it your laws, your precepts, your statutes, your judgment, your your, there is another stipulation, 
he calls it so many, it uses those words interchangeably. But what Paul David is talking about is the word of God. And he had, a, he had made the word of God part of his life. No wonder he led a victorious life. Then finally, the seventh one is prayer. You cannot use it as a weapon if you don't know how to pray and you are so lazy to pray. Prayer is powerful. You, Paul says, pray in the spirit. When we pray in the spirit, we connect directly with the Father. And we, it's a language that the devil does not understand. Basically, if you see all this, the armor of God is about Christ. They all rotate around Christ. If you are talking about truth, according to John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that belt of truth is Christ. Then if you talk about breastplate of righteousness, according to 1 Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. And then when you talk about the gospel of peace, 1 Corinthians 21 to 24 says, and I, I want to quote it, to read it, I quote, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. That is the gospel. Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that is what Paul said they were preaching. And that is the message in this season that we are in, in the circumstances that we have found ourselves in. The gospel should be preached, the gospel of Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God that supersedes everything else. It supersedes everything else. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 to 6 also says that the God of this age has blinded, blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ as Lord, and as ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, may this light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So, Christ is the message that we are supposed to preach, as I said. Then when you come to faith, Christ is also the basis of our faith. Galatians 2.16 says, a person is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And when we talk about salvation, Act 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else except in Jesus, by whose name we are saved. So that helmet of salvation is also about Christ. Then when it comes to the word, that is even more beautiful. As we all know, Christ is the word of God. That the word that became flesh, 
according to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, and 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Christ is the name through which we pray when it comes to that armor of prayer. To the Father, if you read John 15, 16, it clearly says it is about him. Our prayer comes through him and he says whatever we ask in his name, the Father will grant us. God does not tell us to fight brethren, but rather to stand. And standing, which I said, is mentioned three times. It starts from verse 11, then in verse 13, and finally in verse 14. It is, they put a lot of emphasis in it, and we should think about it. Why? Scripture tells us that the battle is not ours, but God's. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. Brethren, in God's theme of things, we as the New Testament church or the temple of God in this current generation, we, are, we have entered. We cannot even say we are entering. Whatever we are hearing has to happen. We are in a time and season of great spiritual battles that will cause the faith of many to grow old. As Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, some people will even renounce Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is already happening. There is a lot of compromise, brethren. In this faith that we have in Christ Jesus, whatever the word of God commands us, there are many, many people who are finding doing the easy thing. In offices, people are compliant. Because the world is hostile to being a Christian, there is hostility all around us. But are we going to lose our faith or we are going to stand in the power of the Lord, in the power of his might? Or we are going to stand and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? Because we are more than overcomers, more than conquerors. As Paul said in Romans chapter 8, don't let any of these things intimidate you. Only know your position in Christ. We have authority to deal with them. We have what it takes. So how do we prepare in order to stand in the Lord and in his mighty power? I will just take us through a few things and I'll be concluding soon. I don't even know what time I'm supposed to end. Moderator, please let me know so that I don't overshoot the time. Please. Uh, Justice, you still have 15 minutes. I still have 15 minutes. Thank you. So number one, be intimate with the Holy Spirit. I said, I already said the first step is being born again, being born again, receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we are there, while we are there, we have to build that relationship, that intimacy. God now left the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I'll send you a helper. The helper is around. It is now up to us to develop that intimate relationship with him. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit helps us to have true and deeper knowledge of God and his power, as opposed to just having head knowledge about him. 
as we grow in the true knowledge of God, we can count on, on operating in his power. When we fully get some might and allow his Holy Spirit to guide us in everything that we do, brethren, that is where the point of victory of a Christian. And it is something that we struggle with. Sometimes we are so spiritually high, you are so connected today. Something happens by tomorrow, you are so low, flat on the ground, you are struggling. But God wants us to live a life of consistency, consistency with that in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he is God's power, is the power of God. This power that we are talking about, it is the Holy Spirit that dresses us with the power of God. As you know, Jesus himself had to receive the Holy Spirit before he went to the wilderness to, to, to be tried. He went there to prepare 40 days, 40 nights, no water, no food. He was being prepared, but he first had to receive that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the same way, brethren, we need the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to empower us so that we can live a life that pleases God and operate in his power. Psalms 37, verses 5 to 6, urges us to commit our way to the Lord and trust in him. And he says that he will make our righteous reward shine like the dawn our vindication like the noonday sun. That is when we are connected in the way that I have described. Then number two, study the word and meditate on it. Study the word. You cannot draw that, that weapon of, of, of the, the word, the sword of the spirit, unless you have it somewhere in your armory. You should be able to pull it and build God has been so gracious to us to give us a word for every situation, every circumstance, like everything that we face daily. It is taken care of in the word of God. It is now our duty to discover it by sitting and studying the word. Recently, God was just revealing how powerful his word is. He was saying, you cannot believe, say you believe in him when he has given you his word and you don't believe in that word. He was saying that unless you experience in the power that is in his word, you will not experience his power. There are so many things that God said about his word. He said people are running around looking for, for prophets to give them a word. He has already given his word. It is now up to us to sit at his feet and say, Holy Spirit, I'm now going to study this word that you have given me as a powerful weapon. Bring now revelation, deep revelation, because you are the one who also revealed it to the man who wrote this scripture. Reveal that deep insight about this word so that I can receive it and receive it in power as a weapon that I can use. Then thirdly, Completely trust in God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, which many of us keep quoting, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. We need to trust God, brethren. You cannot operate in the power of God unless you trust God. Complete trust. Believe that he has the ability to do it. 
and have no doubt in your mind. Put your faith in him. Psalm 9.10 says that those who know the Lord, who know his name, trust in him because he will never turn away from anyone who comes to him for help. Imagine, he's always there waiting with open arms to help us. So we need to trust him completely. Number four, completely depend on God. God is the one who fights for us. True Christian strength comes from recognizing our utter dependence on God. This is what Paul meant when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said all, meaning he was completely relying and depending on God. Brethren, this point is well demonstrated by the people of old who remain strong in God's mighty power because they completely depended on him in very difficult circumstances. And I want to just draw a few examples. Among them, I want to look at young David. Before he became king, we know David's story with Goliath. When the giant, he saw and he heard what the giant, how the giant was terrorizing the army of Israel. I want us to note some some words that David spoke, and, and that should be really the way to go. From verse 32 of First Samuel 17, First Samuel 17 is a long passage that brings out this thing, but I want us to start with verse 32, which says, David was now talking to the king. The king himself was so discouraged, he was so fearful. But this is young David telling him, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Why did David, young David, have to say this? That he would fight the giant. And the king said, no, you are not able to go out against this giant. But David told Saul in verse 34, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This is a testimony that David is giving. David is giving to, 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 to Saul, the king. And then verse 37, he said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. He, he was recounting what God had done for him in the past. If God could allow him to deal with a bear and destroy it, if God could allow him to deal with a lion and destroy it, who, who was this man, this man called Goliath? And then he said something very fundamental. Now, when he went to face the, the, the giant and he despised David, he saw him as a little boy and he he wondered whether he was a dog that he would come after him with a stick. Hear what David said. You come against me with sword in verse 45, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, you whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army 
to the birds and the wild animals. And he goes on. But why? What, what is David saying? The Lord will give you in my hands. He was recognizing that in his own strength and ability and power, he could not handle. But the Lord, the Lord who had done it for him in the past, because he trusted in him, he depended on him completely, would do it again because he had not wavered in his trust for the Lord. The second person I want to talk about very briefly because we don't have time is King, Hezek, King Jehoshaphat. When he was confronted by a vast army, in, as we read in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says that he was alarmed. And in, in that state, he resolved to inquire of the Lord. He resolved to inquire of the Lord. And I want to, I want to read from verse 6. He declared a fast, of course, the whole of Judah was fasting with him. But what, when he now decided to petition God, this is what he said from verse 6. He said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the one who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. And then he continues, and I want to read another part where he says, I want to read another part. Yes, verse 12, where he says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Brethren, parents, we do not know what to do in the situation that we, we are now seeing around us. These issues that are around us concerning all this wicked plan of the devil. But let us tell God that our eyes are on you. The source of our power, the source of our strength. We are putting our hope in your mighty power, in your mighty strength. Then we will see what God will do for this nation, Uganda. You can be sure that Uganda is an altar nation. And God is not going to allow any wicked powers to prevail over this nation. Each time I'm praying for Uganda, I say, God, this is a nation. It's not only about the blood of Jesus. There are human beings who even shed their blood. That is how the faith that we believe in Jesus Christ was founded in this nation. Will it be in vain? Will there be no vengeance for the blood of these innocent people? Will you not fulfill your purpose for this nation? Brethren, there are so many prophetic words that God has spoken over the nation of Uganda. If you know them, remind God about them. Is a covenant-keeping God. He will never let his word go back to you void. Well, let me look at Daniel. I will just mention Daniel, that Daniel and his three friends prevailed in the Babylonian system because they trusted in the power of God. Fire could not even touch, could not touch his three friends. The people who threw them in that blazing furnace, they, are, they were burnt, but these men, came out. The Bible says not even the hairs of their bodies were singed. They didn't even have the smell of smoke. That is the power of God we believe in and we are trusting in. Comes King Ezekiah in 2 Chronicles 32, 7 to 8. Same story. The king, King Senacherib, 
sent him threatening and mocking letter. And he was saying that you, you, you are, we are going to crush you the way we crushed other kings. But King Jehoshaphat said to the people, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. Imagine, he recognized that the great, he, he had a greater power, a greater power, and that is the power of God. With Sennacherib is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people of Judah gain confidence from what the king told them. Brethren, I want to wrap up. In all these things, let us fix our eyes on God. Let us endeavor to, to put our relationship right with God because God and sin, they don't go together. Let us sanctify ourselves and stand in the place of intercession for this country, for our children, for the church of Christ. Jesus himself promised that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It is us whom God is going to dress with his mighty power and we will be strong and do exploits for our God. In this generation, remember that we are priests and kings. We are supposed to reign in this season on earth for God. I thank you for listening to me. Be encouraged, be strengthened, because you have what it takes when you are in Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you so much. God bless you. Bless you too. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 I like this. Amen. Amen. Quickly. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Lady Justice. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It was really the conclusion of the matter, and finally. And you know, when a judge has submitted, I hope you were hearing that submit this, this judgment, that what we should do. Uh, thank you so much. The Lord be praised. I, uh, I just have a few things just to remind you. And so let's first receive the word. Receive the word for yourself. You know, she has taught, she has submitted to the judge who is the whole, the final judge, a judge has submitted to the judge. Now you see, if a judge submits to the judge, it is the conclusion of the matter. So now, since it's the conclusion of the matter, can you re receive this word for yourself because it's the final and conclusion of the matter? Father God, we thank you. We worship you. Thank you for your servant for bringing what is a conclusion of the matter. My God and my Father, we ask that you bless her. You ask that you refill her. You ask that you put a protection over her husband, over her children, over her grandchildren, over the works of her hand. Lord, let the evil one not prevail on anything that she does. As she does her judicial work, Lord, you be in her God. Protect her from all harm and be glorified, O oh Lord. Thank you, our God and our Father, in Jesus' name of praise. Way please mute your phone because I'm going to throw you out. Thank you very much, brethren. Uh, just as we conclude this matter, 
uh, lies the judge said there are things that the power God, you know you have to be strong first of all the topic is that we, we have to be strong and what makes us strong is reading the word of the lord what makes us strong is to stand in truth and righteousness if your tongue is full of lies today you see i am the i'm the head girl so i am beginning a new month if you have not been in this first just jump in right now as we conclude this nine days be strong in the lord read the word stand in the power of the lord even in your offices in your farms in your gardens intimacy with god ask god to help you to dwell in his be in everything we do let's ask god in everything be intimate with god like david ask of the lord like jehoshaphat when things are difficult consistent relationship she talks about standing in the word of the lord intimacy with god consistent relationship with the holy spirit i love that one if there is anything that you will forget don't forget consistent relationship with the spirit because even the lord needed the holy spirit to come upon him so that you overcome satan so that you're able to take right decisions so that the revelation you know sometimes we pray about revelation and we say lord i want a power of discernment i want to have revelation those who operate it is important to consistently call upon the holy spirit when taking decisions when hit by a challenge and you need to trust in the lord with all your heart she quoted proverbs 3 which we like with all your heart with all your mind including from the hair to the to the foot trust in the lord and then when you trust in the lord you depend on him completely now brethren this is where it goes wrong sometimes we trust the lord then we begin option b please when you have trusted god just dive in like you're diving in a swimming pool all your every part of yours whether people are saying negativity you just say me i'm trusting in god me i'm depending on god me i'm walking walk with god and she she talked she talked about david and we know about david there was when people are talking negativity ah uh-uh, ah bring don't bring negativity in this february we left it there me i didn't have it this year when when there is a an apro ah uh, please don't you need rescue from the power of god when there is trouble just go to god for rescue and so i'm going to wrap up now as we pray but wait for father hillary to give us announcement of direction so i'm i have wrapped it up now let us pray father god as we receive this word as your children i thank you for your servant uh your daughter helen as she d- dissected this word i ask oh lord that you who is our god you 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 guide us guard our minds guard our hearts Lord teach us to depend on the Holy Spirit teach us to to read the word of the Lord to depend on his word which he has spoken the prophetic word Lord let us have consistent relationship with you help us to be consistent help us to come to you in the morning to come to you at lunch time to come to you in the evening because Lord we are feeble 
And in all these circumstances, Lord, help us to depend and trust you with all our hearts. Lord, even when there is a challenge, Lord, let's know that we depend on the mighty one of Israel, the mighty one of God. And so, Lord, I pray for your children and I pray that, Lord, as this word has been delivered to us, we shall chew it, we shall, we shall drink it, we shall un uh, understand it only with the help of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray now. I pray for all your children here who have been listening to you. Bless them. Bless your servant, Helen. Bless your children here. All of them, even those who have logged out, bless them that, Lord, even where they have been terrified, they will know that the power that they have to depend on to take decisions, the power that they have to depend on to, to, to rely on in every part of their life and in every business, whether it comes to governance, whether it comes to education, whether it comes to family, religion, and all these spheres of failed influence, they will be guided by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit now dwell in your children. Let the might of the Holy Spirit be seen. Lord, as we walk in today, walk with your children. Let the, let the, let the hand of the Lord protect them. Let the hand of the Lord be, be amongst your children. Reveal yourself to that one man today. Lord, that decision that has to be taken, let the power of the Lord bring revelation. Let the power of the Lord bring revelation to that case, to that um, uh, 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 argument, to that uh, uh, contract that a person has to sign, to every single Lord. Let the power of the Lord teach us as a church the way to go. And Lord, we are trusting you. Help us to trust you day by day. Help us to trust you hour by hour. Because Lord, finally, and conclusive, let our eyes be on God. And Lord, so we raise our eyes like a maiden raises our eyes to her, uh, to her master. Like, like David depended on you, like the eyes of Jehoshaphat were with you. We ask, oh Lord, that as your children go to work, their eyes will be on you. Thank you, our God and our Father. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen. 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 Amen.